Hello, and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and I'll be joined along later today by Darcy Norman. Now, before we jump into this week's episode, I want to give you a quick recap of the week that was. Very productive week, starting with the Complete Coach Cert launch. If you missed it, no worries. We will be back in March of 2021, but very excited with where this is going. Man, it's been probably three years now trying to pull all the pieces together. We've done a year's worth of launches now. I'd like to think I've learned quite a bit in the process, but it's just been really fun putting all these pieces together. I love doing the course mostly because it forces me to sit down and collect all my thoughts, streamline things. And, you know, I think one of the best pieces of feedback is that people always say that I do a good job of making things simple. And I think that's largely in part because I like to take my time, get all the pieces in place. So there's a lot of thought that goes into that. It doesn't just magically happen. So if you have invested in that, I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you learned a lot from it, especially with all the add-ons. You know, we started with the cert, then we added the workshop, which was like another 10 hours. And I just added the assessment module this last time. And I've got probably the next three or four updates already planned out, just like things that I'm going to add and or tweak going forward. So very excited about that. Great weekend, starting with, I always joke around, but soccer right now is Soccer Saturdays. So Cade's team is absolutely crushing it, but I don't think that has anything to do with me. We have two kids that I just deemed the cheat code because they're ridiculous. I mean, they are so good. They're in first grade and they could probably play with a lot of third grade boys as far as skill level goes. They're very, very talented. So they won, still working with my son on getting the best effort. Every time we have lots of talks about effort, he retorts with, well, you don't have to give your best effort all the time. (laughs) Well, yeah, dude, that's kind of like the one thing you have to do. So we have lots of discussions about, you know, I don't care if you're the best, the worst. I love you regardless, but you got to give me your best effort. So learning experiences with him, learning experiences with our girls too. Little bit of a struggle this year. We've got, you know, just a mishmash of girls. In years past, I'd coached in a different league for quite some time. So I had like this nice core group of girls and we were pretty stacked. Like we had two really good teams by the end of my tenure there. And now moving over to a new club, I have not had that same experience yet because I've got uh, just like a mishmash of different girls. And so definitely learning a lot there, learning about how to be a better coach. I think that's one of the things that I enjoy about coaching soccer is it's not my forte. So it helps me get more creative, helps me try and figure out unique and creative ways to relate to the girls, to help them better understand the game, and teaches me a lot about myself, quite frankly, as far as just learning how to be a better coach, how to have more patience, P word. I mean, I feel like (laughs) that is my life's goal to become more patient. So definitely learning a lot from this experience and hopefully the kids are enjoying it. So we had soccer. Kindle had a friend over Saturday night, so Kate and I deemed that boys' night. So basically watched Thor Ragnarok, which is his favorite movie. He wanted to watch it again. So we watched that yet again. And then Sunday morning, went to the gym and went out to brunch. So it was great hanging out with him. Got to watch a little bit of football this weekend. Saddening watching all these great players go down with injuries. I'd like to say it's a shock. I don't think it is for most of us that are in this world. It's really hard to ramp up to the level of physicality that those guys play at. And I don't don't throw any of the strength and conditioning coaches, physical prep coaches under the bus for this. It's really hard. The situations they've been in, you don't know what guys have been doing for four, five, six months. 
very little live contact, I would assume going in, no preseason games. So it's tough, but it's it's disheartening to see these guys. Luckily, the Colts got a win yesterday, so I was excited to see that. And then got a, a couple really good workouts in this weekend. I'm trying to just sneak them in whenever I can. I joke around a lot about the ever-ongoing offseason. And, man, I've really, I think, dove into a lot of my athletes this summer and poured a lot of time and energy into them. I think the results are going to show when they step onto the field, the court, the pitch, wherever their domain is, but excited to see how they fare, but also excited to make sure that I'm taking good care of myself because, man, just having a couple really good workouts, getting the dog out on a couple walks has really reinvigorated me. And, you know, I kind of wrote this down at the bottom of my notes, but for the first time in a long time, I'm starting to feel really dialed in and it feels good, right? Like having, you know, a legit agenda, a legit schedule, And I think one part of this, if you go back and you listen to my interview with David Sutton, it was probably a very small snippet of of the show, but he talked about the bullet journal. And so after that, went to the library, picked up the book, read the book. I liked the book. So I was like, all right, I'm going to try this. I'm definitely somebody that bounces around a lot. I've tried lots of different planners and I've tried Trello and all these different online apps and sources as well. But I'm digging this right now. I really am digging the bullet journal. And I think the most important piece that it's given me is this idea of intentionality. And I think that's a word that we probably don't use enough nowadays, having more intention behind what we do. So, you know, obviously I'm using it for all the the general purposes. I've got like my week planned out. I've got my month planned out. But some of the other stuff, like yesterday, I wrote down my AM routine. Because if you are in my annual group or you've ever been in my annual group, some of the things that I talk a lot about in that is routines and is habits. And like, let's just be honest, the Rona kind of knocked some of those on their ass (laughs) this year. So trying to rebuild some of those, but not just rebuild them for the sake of, oh, I was doing this before, let's do it again. But I kind of went through and was like, okay, well, what are my routines? And so I'll share a couple of them with you. It's like, okay, I'm going to check my sleep score every day. I'm going to read a page from the Daily Stoic every day. Uh, I'm going to check my bank balances, watch a Con Ed video. So I've got this like short list of things that I want to do every day. But I think more importantly, I've got the list, but then I've got the intentions behind it. So why am I going to check my sleep score every day? Is that just like a to-do task? Is that just a to-do list item that I want to check off for the sake of checking it off? No, there's an intention behind it. So my intention there is to keep track of my health and well-being. And I want to make sure I'm getting seven and a half hours of sleep every night, that I'm getting about 20% of REM and deep sleep every night. Why am I going to do watch a Con Ed video every day? And I think, you know, if you're in this space, Bill puts out a new video damn near every day. I'd probably want to watch one of those. So I just wrote down, I want to watch a Con Ed video every day so I get better every single day. And I start my day off on the right foot. I think... The inputs that we hit ourselves with early in the in the day make a profound impact on how the rest of our day goes. So I, I'm going to watch something of Bill's. I'm going to watch something about the bullet journal. I'm going to watch something positive and uplifting so that the rest of my day is moving in the right direction as well. So a little bit of food for thought there, you know, just the intentionality. And if you haven't checked out the bullet journal stuff, you know nothing about it. I would just go on the YouTubes or the Google machine type in bullet journal, you'll get all kinds of images and videos of people that draw and do these amazing things with their journal. That's not really 
how you have to use it. It's the great thing about it. You do whatever you want, but uh, you don't have to make it super fancy. I am nothing. I'm definitely not an artist. Let's just be real here. I'm not an artist. So I don't do all of that, but I love it for being more intentional and taking all these thoughts that are bouncing around in my brain, finding a place to put them. And then when I have time, digging a little bit deeper and finding like, okay, why am I doing these things? How can I live a life of greater intention and greater purpose? So maybe a little bit deeper than you wanted to go in the intro this week. Hopefully you don't mind. And if you're interested in that stuff, check out the bullet journal. Now, with that being said, that's enough for me. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to jump into this awesome new episode with my guy, Darcy Moore. This episode of the Physical Preparation Podcast is brought to you by Momentus. For many years, I simply disregarded the age-old advice of getting liquid protein in either during or after workouts. Part of this was due to the fact that most had so much crap in them, I didn't want to put them in my body, and others might have been high quality, but tasted absolutely disgusting. However, if you're looking for a protein that's not only high quality, but also tastes amazing, you need to check out Momentus. I've been using Momentus for several months now, and I can tell you it's hands down the best tasting protein I've ever had. But it's not just me. I have numerous elite level athletes who are very picky with their protein powders, and every one of them raves about how great Momentus protein shakes taste. And while the taste is amazing, the best part about Momentus is that they're incredibly transparent with what goes into their product. You never have to worry about a tainted or dirty supplement as all of their products are NSF and Informed Sports certified. If you'd like to try Momentus out for yourself, head over to livemomentous.com forward slash Robertson and use the code Robertson20 to save 20% off your first order. Or if you want to try before you buy, get a free three-pack sample sent to your house by using the Robertson sample code at checkout. Regardless of which option you choose, I guarantee once you try Momentous Protein Shakes, you'll never go back to anything else. Darcy Norman is the Director of Performance Science for Kitman Labs and the Movement and Conditioning Coach for the U.S. Men's National Soccer Team. Now, obviously, Darcy has been on the show a few times before, but it's also been a few years since I had him on last, and I always enjoy our chats. So, here he is again. Now, in this show, Darcy and I talk about a wide range of topics. We start by taking a look at his career, which has been littered with success at virtually every level. Next, we dive into the differences between working for a major soccer club like a Bayern Munich or like a Roma and what it's like to work with a national team because now he is on to his second national team stint. And last but not least, we talk about his new roles with both Kitman Labs and the U.S. men's national soccer team. So my friend Darcy is not only an amazing human, but somebody I always learn a lot from. So I really think you're going to enjoy this show. But enough for me. Let's do this. Darcy, man, great to catch up with you here today. It's been a while. What is new, my guy? What's going on with you? Yeah, it has been a while. I think the last time we chatted, I might have been in Rome. So... Just getting back from Rome, we moved back in 2018, back to Lake Tahoe, California, a little town, Truckee. And then in September of 18, I joined a company called Kitman Labs, which is a performance intelligence system. We can get into kind of what all that means. And then had the opportunity in 2019 when Greg Bearhalter became head coach of the U.S. men's national team 
he called and had the opportunity to join those guys. So yeah, that's what's keeping me, keeping me busy and then hanging out with the family. Yeah. I love it, man. So normally you've been on the show twice. Normally I would go back and say, Oh, go listen to the other two shows first. And while I would suggest doing that, I think your career path is so unique. Like you have just ebbed and flowed from place to place And so I would love it if you would just start by telling us a little bit about your career path, like how you got started in this to kind of where you're at now. Yeah, gosh. So I grew up in Northern Alberta, Canada, grew up ski racing. And then that's how I ended up in the States down at Washington State and then got my athletic training and strength conditioning degree, biology degrees there. I had a a small personal training practice in Seattle for a couple of years before I went back to PT school. So that was, I think I finished PT school in 2000, had a private practice in Seattle on Mercer Island for about a year and a bit, and then got a phone call from Mark Verstegen at Athlete, Mm formerly Athletes Performance, and just knew when I interviewed there, I had to be there. And was, you know, kind of back in the day before the whole performance training is what it is today. Right. And, and so headed out there, we spent some years there, which were phenomenal. And then my wife and I wanted to kind of get back to the mountains. So we moved back to Tahoe and just kind of in that time, there was some different transitions. I got into professional cycling. So I was working with team high road for five years, a professional cycling team there doing their kind of recovery and off the bike training. And then in 2008 through Exos had the opportunity to go with Jurgen Klinsmann to Bayern Munich. And so that was kind of my first intro into professional soccer. And so I was a rehab fitness coach and that was kind of the beginning of the whole data frenzy outside of Excel and and GPS systems were just kind of coming into vogue then. And so that was 2008 to 10, moved back. We had some family issues we had to take care of. And, And so I ended up, had the opportunity to join the German national team. So I was with them from 11 to 2014, where we ended up winning the World Cup, which was great, (laughs) phenomenal experience, and then had the opportunity to be head of performance for Rome. And that was 2015 to through 18. And then kids were getting older, wanted to finish high school back in the States. So we ended up making the move back to Tahoe, which is home for us. And then, yeah, got on with Kitman Labs, because, you know, there's just that whole evolution of using data and using it wisely to help improve practice and decision-making and so forth. And so it was a real natural fit because in my process in working with soccer, kind of, you know, building databases, working with different databases or athlete management systems. So definitely had some really strong opinions and was really impressed with where Kitman was going and, you know, wanted to kind of get on that train. And then, you know, the opportunity in my travels to Germany is where I met Greg Bearhalter, the head coach, when he was a former player. And so we stayed in touch. Actually, our wives got to know each other first because our kids were in the same daycare. And then, you know, as he made the transition from player to coach, was helping him in a few different places when he got his first gig at Hammerby. And then, yeah, and then he ended up coming back to Columbus Crew and yeah, he started up with the national team and asked if I'd be interested. And they had a phenomenal group with Steve Tajan and and Josh Wolf. And, you know, Greg's a super sharp guy. So it was a great opportunity to to get with a good coach and, and build programs. And I'm actually super fired up about the future of U.S. soccer because I think it's really heading in a, in a good direction. I love it, man. So my next question kind of jumps off that because yep. obviously you've gone like club 
to national team club to national team and, and you kind of bounced around and that definitely not a bad thing but what i'm interested in is what's fun or what's unique about working in each situation or each environment yeah i mean they both certainly have their challenges right like club it's kind of like living with your family every day your brothers <laughs> your sisters and so it's that day-to-day building you know, building and, and working on getting better, where the national team is kind of like little mini parties, right? Like you don't see anybody and then you all get together. It's like family reunion time. And like <laughs> you got 10 days, let's go win some games. And and then you, you know, you disperse and then you come back and, you know, and I think tournaments are super special. The World Cup where you're like focused for, you know, that six to eight weeks of prep and everyone's in it together. And that's all you're thinking about, you know, is really impressive where, in a club setting, you're kind of dealing with the ebb and flows of just normal day-to-day stuff, right? Yeah. Like, why is Johnny in a bad mood? Oh, I don't know. Maybe his kids were having a bad day or this or that. And so the, just the dynamics are a lot different in, in one to the other. And yeah, and I think they're both really interesting in having both sides of that, you know, to be able to appreciate, you know, has really helped now working in the club setting is, you know, what we're trying to do with the national team is be a support to the clubs because mm-hmm. we're essentially kind of renting their players. And so, you know, I definitely appreciate from working in the club that I would love to have this information and know these things while they were away. And so, you know, we're trying to give back to those clubs in, in that way on that side. So yeah, they both have their pluses and minuses and, and good things like Obviously, I get to spend a lot more time with my family, which was important. Right. And, you know, being in the national team because we're not together all that much. So that, you know, is is one kind of benefit for the family side. We're on the club side. I pretty much lived at the training ground. So, you right. know, I might see my family at dinner time and maybe give the kids a kiss goodnight. So right. very few days off. Yeah. And I think the thing is, that's got to give you such a unique perspective, because if you've only been in one role or the other, you don't really understand the other side, right? And what they have going on. So the fact that you've been in both positions now multiple times, kind of be like, okay, I understand whatever reservations they might have or worries they might have, especially coming into a national team camp. And like, now you're giving them the data back and you're like, hey, this is what we've done. This is where this guy's at. That's gotta be like really reassuring to a club director. Yeah, I mean, you would hope all we can do is go in with the the greatest of empathy and humility and, you know, say, how can we help you, you know, help this player, right, you know, move along so it benefits you guys and it benefits us, you know, instead of it being kind of an opposition thing, you know, pulling that player because we're all, you know, it's all really in the name of the player and and trying to get to play their best consistently so they can have good, long, good, long careers. Absolutely. So you obviously had a pretty good amount of success when you were in Roma, right? And I mean, how long were you there? Three years? Three, yeah, three years. But yeah, played Champions League, Europa League. Yeah, had a phenomenal, probably the highlight was when we beat Barcelona on the away, when they came to play us at home to overcome a 4-1 Four one or three yeah. one depth to go to the Champions League semifinal and play Liverpool where we almost did it again. So yeah. it was huge for the club and you know, we created a lot of great structures, I think, for the club that weren't in place prior. And yeah, it was a, it was definitely a phenomenal experience. Yeah. I mean, I just remember thinking like, My gosh, man, this guy's won a World Cup. Now his team's gonna go and win win a Champions League. But like 
at least from what I understand, like you didn't speak the language going in. This was kind of like a new environment for you. So what were some of the elements of your success during your time there? Like what things did you feel like you put your stamp on and you could say this really, I think, made a positive impact on our success? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the big things, so like kind of one of the big learnings from Germany, I kind of use this analogy, right? Like a friend of mine said, what what was successful about Germany? I said, we supply chain managed human performance. Like yep. everything was so dialed and organized that, you know, nothing, no stone was left unturned. And so when I got to Rome, I thought like, okay, like we just need great systems and structures and we're going to bang this out. So we put those in place, which was great. And that certainly helped you know, unify things and make them more manageable. But I would say probably one of the biggest things that I didn't realize when you read about complex systems thinking is, you know, there's the parts themselves, but then there's the interactions between those parts and those are a little less tangible. And so one of the things, and I always thought like having this mission and vision and values was kind of cliche and all these business books and It really made me realize how important it was. And that was probably the biggest thing was as a performance team, we constructed a mission statement, a vision statement, and had values on how we all wanted to operate. And then that in turn created the opportunity to really understand everybody's kind of mental models of how they saw things so that we all had a better understanding of how we operated So when, you know, situations came up, you know, we kind of knew then how other people were thinking to, you know, make it more streamlined and consistent. And, you know, ultimately it built the trust in the players that, you know, we all knew what we were doing and we had a plan and a game plan. And so I think that was a big one, you know, taking that time to understand everybody's view in it, as I mentioned, was, was critical. And then, you know, opportunities to be educated together. So setting up, you know, educational opportunities for the group as a team to, to go through things. And then I think the other one is just constant communication, like just good systems that we had our meetings every morning, we had our way of going through stuff. So nothing fell through the cracks in that information. And so we could respond as quickly and as accurately as possible, given the given the circumstances. Yeah, that's so interesting because I feel like at least I've seen it. I've seen it here in the States where you've seen it at the sport level, right? Where you take a bunch of like really high caliber athletes and you put them together and they don't mesh. Like it's like an all-star team and they don't mesh. And we see it now in in like sport performance, right? We've we've all seen like that club and they're pulling all these guys and you're like, oh my gosh, it's going to be an amazing club. And then like, they don't get along, like they don't gel at all. So I think that point that you just made about like sitting down, hashing things out, where is everybody coming from? What are our values as a team? How are we going to communicate? Like those are things that I think the lay person may not understand, but like that's so critical to getting everybody to work together as a team. Yeah. And I kind of use the analogy of a soccer team, right? Like Mm -hmm. you got your forwards, your midfielders, your defenders, your goalies, like they're all players on this team with the objective of getting a ball in the net. And sometimes, you know, a forward has to play defense and sometimes a defenseman has to play forward, but they have to know when, and then they have to communicate their tells of like, Hey, when I do this, then pass me here. And, and, and then you have the coaches, system of how they want to play intermixed with that, right? So 
it, it's really, you know, that you can have the team or the team behind the team, but it's really not dissimilar and actually very analogous in that regard because, the, you know, the communication and everyone has to know. And if someone's ego gets a little too much where like, hey, I want to be the guy that scores and they're yeah. not thinking about the greater good of the team, then it's going to affect that whole dynamic. And, and so, yeah, it was a really kind of, I don't know, I, you know, frying pan on the head moment when I kind of realized that yep. and that I was like, Hey, if we're asking the playing group to do this, like the team behind the team group should be doing the exact same thing, right? Yes. Like it's, it just makes sense. Absolutely. So yeah, that's what kind of took us down that path. I love it, man. So obviously super successful in your time at Roma. Now you're back and you're working with the U S men's national team here. What was interesting about that position and what goals have you have you set for both yourself and the team during your time there? Yeah, you know, I mean it's the it's the group of people, right? Like for me it's I'm not really concerned about my position or what my title is. It's really now for me working with good people trying yes. to accomplish goals. Yep. And you know, I'm definitely at a point where I feel totally fine taking a small role and doing what is asked, right? To right. contribute to the great good. And I think, you know, the staff there between like Steve Taj and Greg, Jordan Webb, like they're all, you know, and, and that's just a few like humble guys, but very detail oriented and very yeah. driven in what they're trying to accomplish. Just the learning curve you know, gets accelerated on things that we can go do and, and the level that we can do it. And I think, you know, Greg leading the charge on that allows, you know, as a manager, he allows people to go do their jobs and add value where they think they can add value. And, and you know, so I think that's between that and, and what we have available from a playing group where you see now a lot of young talent, uh, American male talent, I think we have the most players at this point playing in the Champions League than we ever had in history. Wow. So in their respective clubs. So, you know, your Weston McKinney, who just went to Juventus, Pulisic, Tyler Adams, Josh Sargent, Serginio Dest at Ajax, like all these guys are 21, 22. Yeah, that's cool. Less, right? Like they're almost the Olympic team, the U23 team. And, you know, with the next World Cup coming and then 2026, being in the U.S., you know, one of our kind of mission or our mission that Greg set out on the men's side is changing the way the world views American soccer. And yes. so, you know, trying to really, yeah, have this lofty goal of putting putting U.S. soccer on the map and on the male side, because obviously the women have done a phenomenal job. And so, you know, trying to leave no no rock unturned to make that happen. Yeah. How important is it to have a coach that supports what you guys are trying to do. And I don't know all of your environments, but like, have you ever had like that extreme where like the coach just doesn't buy in? Because obviously now I don't think you'd sign on, right? If yeah. the coach isn't on board, right? but how important yeah. is that? Well, so too, just for a little back history, I think my record good or bad is 11 coaches in 12 or 13 years, different <laughs> head coaches. Wow. You see a lot of different ways to do stuff. And so it's massive, right? Like it's a leader. And in sports, you know, this was a quote that came from Martin from a colleague of his, Martin Bouchard. And he said, you know, at Dar's soccer specifically, because that's kind of the space we've been living in, but I think you can apply it to, to most sports that the sport is a, is a monarchy, not a democracy. And so it just depends on 
you know, what kind of monarch you get in that role, right? Like, is so it true. a, yeah. you know, is the monarch, a, a, you know, like this very positive figure that is humble and, 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 and allows people to do their jobs like the books like Ryan Holiday, The Obstacle of the Way, and I'm, I'm blanking on the kind of the famous Roman emperors that, you know, were kind of these good monarchs right. versus ones that were not. Yeah. And so, and when you read about kind of complex systems thinking in this shared vision, there's a lot of ways to get to this, you know, mission or vision. I can tell you like, Hey, this is what we're going to do. And you're either going to say, yeah, I'm in or I'm not. And if you need a job, you're going to say you're in, even if you don't want to be versus the ultimate way, which is everybody is, you know, has kind of their personal values aligned with the shared vision and values of what they're trying to accomplish. And everyone's got that skin in the game and, and has an attachment to that. That's when you have a true shared vision that everyone's kind of bought in and around. And those tend to be the most, most successful, but in sports, a lot of times it's a bit of a dictatorship in that regard where coach says, Hey, this is how we're operating. And you just depend on what kind of coach you get. And, you know, that's where I'm really like, to me, I think Greg's probably one of the best coaches I've ever worked with in that regard, like phenomenal communicator, planner, you know, technically, tactically, super bright, you know, kind of has all the qualities in a good leader that you would want to, to, to move things forward. I love it. Yeah. And talk about an all-star crew. I mean, you, I just met Steve for the first time at oh, nice. one of my MLS guys got married over the winter. Cause that's when MLS guys get married, right? It's like, November and December. So I met Steve then, Jordan Webb, I've known for years. So you've got yeah. quite the crew, man. That's fun. Yeah, Ron Chanel on the medical side and 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 Kenny, who was with the US men's national team prior, us coming aboard, like we uh, yeah, super stoked. And then other coaching coaching crew, you know, on on the technical tactical side with Aaron Hyde and Nick Nico and and those guys. So, you know, Jason Christ, like it's just a a really solid group of guys that are all you know, humble, but yeah. want to get stuff done. Makes it a lot easier to go to work, right? Yeah, it makes it a joy. That's where the the family reuniting, you yes. know, every time you get together, it's like, yeah, woo, high fives. Like right. we're on these conference calls. Let's let's put it <laughs> put the rubber to the road. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So you've obviously worked in a national team setting before, and I think it's fair to say that went pretty well, right? World Cup winner. <laughs> However, what I'd like to hear a little bit about are maybe the similarities and differences you've seen working for two different national teams and not necessarily in any way negative, but just like culturally Germany yeah. and the States. That's a big difference, right? Yeah. And I, I probably one thing I did leave out after Rome, I did go back to work with the Germans for the 2018 World Cup in Russia, which didn't work out as well as 14. <laughs> right. Pretty, right. Pretty much the polar opposite. Right. So the humility in being at the highest of highs and lowest of lows was really interesting because the thing from that was we had staff wise, essentially the same group, obviously a different playing group. Yep. And that was also another kind of piece of really paying attention to the interactions between the parts, right? Like, cause yeah. the systems were relatively similar, but it was how they were interacting that I think had the effect that mm. it did. And, you know, I think I would say probably knowing Greg, he played a lot of his years in Germany. I think he's got this kind of German influence to him, whether he admits it or not. Right. So very kind of structured, very systematic, 
yeah, and just, you know, super diligent and, you know, kind of the motto in, in Germany is kind of why wait till tomorrow when you can do it today, where the motto in Italy is why do it today when you can do it tomorrow. Um, <laughs> right. So, yeah, I would say, and, and that's something that also has me excited is I would say actually the national teams are relatively similar in how we're operating and the diligence. I feel like we're really putting a lot of effort on the interactions between the parts and yep. really being thoughtful and considerate around that. So I feel like that will help boost us. And then, you know, the difference probably is just the evolution of where the national programs are at, right? Like you right. have Germany that's always been a big powerhouse that has endless amounts of talent, you know, like for, you know, they got their starting 11, but you essentially have a starting 11 below that starting right. 11, you know, right. and, and where we're not as deep in those, uh, you know, at that, at that caliper. And sure. it's not a dig on anybody. It's just, it is what it is right? because soccer is not what it is in Europe, right? Yeah. Like it is their primary sport where for us, it's a, it's kind of a fifth level right. you know, after the football, basketball, baseball, and, and hockey. Yeah. But it's getting better hundred percent with the young talent that's coming up. Like even Gio Reyna in Dortmund was another guy I didn't mention. Yeah. And they're popping up, you know, they're getting their shots and they're popping up and you even see like, Oh, Hey, we could, we can use that guy. Right. Um, and the coaches are putting a ton of effort into, into trying to spend time with these guys, even if it's from afar, you know, on educating about around the process and what we're trying to accomplish. And, you know, building that team unity. And so, yeah, it's, I would say it's similar, but we're in a different point in evolution yeah. in, you know, the talent pool, I, I would say. That's cool. That's awesome. It's getting better. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like you said, very bright future ahead. So yeah. you and I were going back and forth. I was like, man, I haven't talked to Darcy in forever. I need to get this guy on the podcast. So we go back and forth on Twitter, you register and I see Kitman Labs. What? And your email. I'm like, what is this? Because literally, I kid you not, that day, one of my guys that works for me, Eric, he and I were going back and forth. He's like, I think we need to get a force plate. I'm like, well, I haven't used one since 2002, but I could support that. So, man, talk to me about this. What's your role with Kitman Labs? What are you doing there on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah. So Kitman Labs is, a, we call it a performance intelligence platform because it's essentially, it's more than an athlete management system. We have a full blown EMR electronic medical record system because we know that your medical history is critical to, you know, how you're going to perform. And then yeah. in the prevention side of performing, and then, you know, there's the general athlete management system that has a bunch of tools in it, just your ability to aggregate your whole, you know, all your different data sets from different places, take in questionnaires from your players as far as wellness or sleep or RPE or those kind of pieces, pipe in any technical tactical data that you might be pulling in, you know, and then you want that data working for you, right? Because it's hard right. to sift through data every day. And so you can set up these calculations and thresholds. So the system is actually alarming you in real time to let you know that, hey, this guy is maybe three deviations outside of his normal in regards to this scenario and, right. and things of that nature. And then, you know, the whole reason for collecting data in the first place is to run analysis, right? Like you're looking for information to have better informed decisions. And so we have uh, analytics tools that live on the top of that, both from a performance side and an injury side. So you can start asking more complicated questions 
around what might be leading to injury or what could be the, the real things that, that are affecting performance and not the things that we think are affecting right. performance. And so there's, I want to say Bittencourt is the last name on the study. And it was kind of using this complex systems thinking again in regards to injury prevention. And just because we know that it's a variety of web of determinants that create an injury and, and the web of determinants for basketball you know, as to an ACL that might be different to hockey are, you know, the outcome is the same, a torn ACL, but the web of determinants of how you get there could be totally different. And so, you know, we're able to ask much deeper questions. And and now with, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning, you know, the system can go run multitudes of calculations because we don't know, you know, like with this whole acute chronic conversation that's going on, you know, what an acute chronic ratio for one team can be totally different to another team. And then, you know, Patrick Ward, myself and Luke Bourne did a a paper around just how your schedule alone and your schedule density can be the sole reason why your acute and chronic ratio is what it is and not, you know, what you're really prescribing between the games. And so we don't know what we don't know. And and you don't know, is it a seven day average that's more relatable? Is it a two day average? Is it a seven to 21 acute to chronic? Is it a six to 38? Is it a two to five? Like you don't know. And, And so we're able to go add all these extra calculations on all these variable timelines and then statistically go back and look and say, okay, what is statistically related to hamstring injuries and then see what are the things that are most correlated. And then, you know, you can start to look at how they're influenced and as well as, you know, if this happens, you might be at a 10% chance, but if this plus this happened, it goes up to 20. And then if another third layer happens, it goes up to 40. Mm -hmm. So that's where web of determinants come in. And so, you know, those are some of the analysis that we're running with teams. And so my role there is director of performance science. So I interface with the teams directly to help understand what their kind of mission, what their goals that they're trying to achieve and objectives, then work with our applied sports science to set up the system to, you know, collect all that information and help their day-to-day workflows. And then we also, on the back of that, start running these different applied analysis with our data science team and answer those performance or injury prevention questions with them. So it's been a great, you know, through kind of my career and, you know, the influx of data that we've had to deal with over time. It was also my natural frustrations with it and trying to apply it. I want to collect it because I want to be informed, but I was struggling with, you know, kind of getting stuff that, you know, kind of pure siloed research, univariate one-to-one relationships, because in the real world, you can't control all that stuff. It's not real. And so trying to find ways, you know, to, to, take this real world stuff and account for it all and, and and get objective data and information that will better your programming, better your processes and make you more informed. And when I saw what Stephen Smith at Kitman, when they were doing and what they were doing on the analysis side and building out their platform to accomplish that, yeah, I was totally bought in to, to where it was going and super excited. And, you know, now we also just hired Martin Bouchait, who I think a lot of people are familiar with on the research side, very well published guy. He's our new director of research to help kind of continue to move the needle along. So a lot of good practical talent of people that have been in the industry for a long time, Brian Bernstein, Andy Shelton. So a lot of guys that have worked in professional sport 
that are, you know, kind of taking that content and putting it to applied tools in Kitman. I love it, man. So one issue I think a lot of people have is maybe they don't have like a formal background when it comes to tech, right? It could be force <laughs> plates. It could be data management, whatever, right? Like this is new for a lot of people. So yeah, what advice would you give to somebody who doesn't necessarily have a background with this? They see the need, right? They see how it could be valuable. They want to employ it in some way. How would you advise them to get started? Yeah, it's not an easy, easy thing. Like, I think the first one is just jumping in, like walk through a door and get started and then walk through as many doors as you can to, <laughs> right. to see. I think the challenge was, right, you know, the industry kind of thinking about what we talked about with Exos or athletes performance, they kind of kicked off this interdisciplinary performance industry where all these groups that were traditionally siloed, you know, wouldn't kind of come together. Like if you needed a biomechanical assessment, you go to the biomechanist. And then if you need a treatment, you'd go to the therapist. And if you needed training, you'd go to the strength coach. And, and now you know, the industry has, has merged so much and they're so interrelated. Like we knew they were interrelated because the human body is a complex system, but now you have, you know, therapists that are working with force plates and GPS is GPS systems, you know, help with rehab and return to play. But then you have those strength coaches or fitness coaches using those exact same tools to help optimize the performance of their athletes. And so I think, you know, the entry points are, are you have way more entry points than you did. Because if it was force plates, you'd be, you know, back in the day when you and I went to college, you'd be going to your physiology lab at the university, yeah. and hanging out with your physiologist. Yeah, and, what it was. You know, where yeah. now with technology also, they've made it so much easier and more intuitive to just get on and start working and, 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 and doing stuff. And, and you're seeing you know, like guys like Matt Jordan and the stuff he's doing with force plates and return to play. And, you know, I mean, he's traditionally a strength coach, but he's living in the therapy world as well as the performance side, because we know they're interrelated, right? Like I had an injury, but I still need to go win a gold medal at the Olympics. Right. And so, you know, it's just, I think that's the interesting thing about the industry these days. It's all coming together. And funny enough, Duncan French, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm going to go out on limb anyway, but Duncan French and and Lorena Torres are, are coming out with a new book, a sports science book, because I think it's getting to that point, right? Like if there are these different entries and, and Nick Winkleman and I were fortunate enough to be asked to, to write the opening chapter for it around oh, cool. kind of what science is looking for and, and, and how to kick it off. And I think, you know, it's reading, it's, it's hanging out with guys like you that are doing stuff applied and, and just jumping in and just trying to, you know, read, learn and educate yourself in, in these places. I don't know if there's a, if there's an, you know, start at point A. <laughs> right, uh, right. It's it's all across the board, depending on, I think, maybe start where your interests are and then, you know, peel the onion from there because you will start to see that all of it's very interrelated. And, you know, force plates are just one piece of the puzzle and then you got to translate that to execution out onto the pitch. And then, you know, and then how does that translate to GPS stuff where, you know, now they're working on getting power outputs. And so how do you relate the power output of a GPS unit on the pitch to a power output, you know, on a force plate with a counter movement jump or rate of force development or things like that. So it's all one big complex system. Yes. No, I love that, man. So 
You've already been on the show once, so I'm not going to give you the big question this time around. But this one actually may be more difficult. When I wrote it, I was like, I think he's going to like this. So, look, man, not not to toot your horn, but you've been successful, right? Like, you've worked for major clubs in Europe. You've worked for national teams. Like, you've got great gigs now. Kind of, like, done some things. So, what personal goals do you have for yourself going forward? Yeah, that is a big one. Trying to make up for lost time with my family. Yeah, I like that. That's great. I love that. Kids are getting older and I'm realizing I'm going to be an empty nester here soon. So I think the COVID thing for us has been good because I've stayed home and spent more time with family and quality time. So that's good. I think it's, yeah, it's really personal goals is, yeah, doing more stuff with my family, getting to know my wife again. And now that the kids are kind of out of the house. And then, you know, from a work side, it's just, I think, being curious and working with great people. Like, I think that's where I get a little bit, you know, chasing butterflies. I'm like, oh, that looks great over there. I want to go over there. Oh, that looks great over there. So how do I kind of stay, stay focused? So Kitman and and the U.S. team are my two, like, okay, I got to stay in these lanes, but there's definitely enough brain power and ideas and things that are going on that are keeping me kind of stimulated and excited about moving, moving our industry, moving the sporting world, moving the analytic world, you know, kind of all together to trying to achieve something. And, you know, just thinking about the world cup in 226 in the U S that's exciting. If we could do another miracle on ice there, that would be a pretty amazing piece of history to be a part of. So, yeah. So it's some, some fun things to kind of look forward to. Well, it just sounds like you've got this great amount of overlap between the two jobs, but then there's also enough on the sides to kind of chasing butterflies. You can still do that a little bit, but it still kind of keeps you centered, right? Most of the time. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's good. It's there's a lot of a lot of crossover as you said, which is great. And then still nuance to keep it really really interesting. Yeah, I love it, man. Okay, so last but not least, we've got our lightning round. They are actually short questions this time. I don't know. Sometimes they tend to be long, but four of them, and then I'll let you go, okay? Number one, what was your best memory from your time at Roma? There was a lot, so not to downplay, but probably one of the bigger ones was that win against Barcelona at home, second leg of the Champions League quarterfinal to to win. I think it was a 92nd minute header by Custis Milonis that, yeah, got us the win and and went to the semifinals to uh, go against Liverpool. And I think it was probably one of the you know, one of the highlights of that club's, uh, you know, highlights of their, their history. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Okay. Number two. Oh, the other oh. one is retirement of Totti. Retirement of Francesco Totti. Oh, you know, yeah. One of the greatest players to ever play the game to be, you know, working with him on that team is always, you know, to be a part of history there is, is cool. That's very cool. Very cool. Okay. Number two, what was the best part of living in Italy? Man, their food is <laughs> unbelievable. Like yes. they do vacationing and food really well. So I didn't get a, a, a ton of opportunity to vacation there. Yeah. Because uh, it seemed like all the time. So I would love to go back and just enjoy the culture, the laid back culture and food and just actually vacation there would be would be great. Just like to hang out, ride a scooter around, gelato and espresso, yeah. man. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I definitely have my fair share of that. <laughs> I love it. Number three, I think I know the answer, but I'm, I'm interested. What's the best part about being home? 
Yeah, being home, I think, is the best part. So time with the family, time in nature, where we live up here in Tahoe, getting back to mountain biking and water skiing and regular skiing, alpine skiing, which was kind of my first love growing up. So yeah, just being back in nature. It's a small town. It's essentially the antithesis of Rome. So very quiet and, and great. So we're, we're just loving it. I love it. I love it. Okay, last but not least, number four, what's next for Darcy Norman? Yeah, keep it on, keep it on. So, you know, World Cup 22 around the corner. So we got qualifying. So definitely need everybody's support in that. You know, there will be games that we lose. But I think in the greater scheme of things, as long as we're moving forward and accomplishing goals, then we're on the right track. And then, you know, with the build up to 2026. And then, you know, on the Kitman side, we're doing some amazing things on just, you know, building out the platform, doing, you know, taking applied things that practitioners are trying to solve and putting them into technology that can actually be done today and not make your life more of a pain in the ass, but actually make it more (laughs) much easier and, and fluid. So you can actually do what you love to do and that spend time with the athletes and making people better. So I did just get a new total hip. So I've kind of worn out one of my legs. So I'm rehabbing that at the moment, but uh, technology is very impressive and I've, I've got range of motion that I haven't had in like 10 years. So that's awesome. Feeling muscle. Yeah. I haven't had. So yeah. Rehabbing and getting back to getting back to, you know, lifting and, and moving in a full range of motion. I think I, I took range of motion for granted and now it's got, got a new lease on life. I love it, man. I love it. Well, Darcy, it's always great catching up with you. Great having you on the show. Where can my listeners find out more about you and everything you got going on? Yeah, gosh, I'm not a big social media guy, partly because I just don't have time. Um, <laughs> I am on Twitter, Darcy Norman. So I probably retweet more than I tweet. You know, you can follow us what we're doing US soccer, men's national team at Kitman Labs on the Kitman Labs front with all the stuff going. Like I said, we just brought on Martin Bouchite on part of the as part of the team full time. So really excited about some of the research and applied analysis stuff we'll be doing there. And then just, you know, continued uh, upgrades on the platform and and features that are coming out. So, yeah, a lot of good. We got a a bunch of irons in the fire in that regard. So if everything goes according to plan, we could have a couple really cool big announcements coming out here in in the next, yeah, probably two, three months. that'll kind of continue to move the needle for, for everybody. So we're excited about that. I love it. I love it. Well, Darcy, again, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. This was really great, buddy. Yeah, always a pleasure. I'm sorry that it's taken a podcast to get to back together. <laughs> You're probably just as busy as, as me, if not more so. And, you know, even in the world travels, I think that's probably one thing I miss is, you know, kind of hitting some conferences and hanging out, you know, guys like you and, and Boyle and, and all the, you know, the Chad and just all these great practitioners that we've kind of grown up together For sure. uh, through the industry and, and just shooting the breeze and, and chewing on what's new. So uh, that's probably one thing I miss the most that I would love to, to, to be able to have more of. Absolutely. Well, now you're back. Can't get away from us anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Makes it easier. I won't say it's it's perfect because you're out in Indianapolis and True. I'm here, but yeah, it makes it a little easier to cross paths, hopefully. So we'll just have to stay in touch and, and make sure that happens. You're definitely welcome if we're rolling through town with the national team or you're yes. in the same place to- uh, let us know and we'll get you out to a game or come out for training man i'm gonna take you up on that that sounds awesome all right my 
friend. That does it for this week's show with Darcy. Sincerely hope you enjoyed it. Like I said up top, the guy's been on, I think, twice now, but he's somebody I just genuinely enjoy catching up with. He is so forward-thinking. He is always evolving, and he's somebody that I think we can all learn a lot from. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, I got one of two favors to ask. Number one, if you're not already, subscribe to the show iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play. I think we're on Amazon now. Basically, if it's somewhere you can consume podcasts, go there, subscribe, so that you get this delivered fresh to your inbox every single week. If you're already a subscriber, thank you. I appreciate it. Do me one better. Go into the iTunes store. Give me a rating and a review. Ratings and reviews are the fastest and most surefire way to make sure that more people learn about the show. And if you know anything about me, the show is 100% free. I do it because I love it. And I do it because I want to make the world of strength and conditioning, physical preparation, whatever you want to call it, I want to make this world a little bit better. So if you would give me a rating and a review so we can get more people exposed to the show, I would greatly appreciate it. So my friend, that does it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Love and appreciate you, and we'll be back soon with our next episode. Take care.